Welcome to the 301 Podcast, the interview podcast for the hottest up-and-coming entrepreneurs, artists, and creators. Real, authentic, and inspiring. And here is your host, Marcus Engel. Let's get it started in 301. Welcome back to the 301 Podcast. And in this episode, I'm very excited to have Jörn Richter on our microphones. And today we talk about focus, productivity, and mental well-being that Jörn tries to bring back in people's lives with his latest startup, Unplug. Unplug is a real traditional startup founded in the student years, seeing a real problem, solving it, bringing out the prototype, receiving funding, and working on a real amazing product. So we have a lot to uncover today, but without further ado, let's get straight into it in 3, 0, 1. Today we dive deep into the topic of digital well-being and regaining focus of your life with Jörn Richter, the founder of Unplug. Jörn, welcome to the 301 podcast. Thanks. I have to say that especially today, I was safeguarding the app limits that I set for myself on my <laughs> phone so much as the <laughs> preparation for this podcast. And it was actually quite funny because with you in mind, I thought I have to, I have to make it. <laughs> so um, how many minutes do you think you save today to focus on what is really important? <laughs> well, on my phone, I have it on my app now. <laughs> it says two and a half hours. Um, yeah, so before I always used my phone for three hours a day, about like three hours. But like today I used it for half an hour. So then my phone tells me I saved two and a half hours. <laughs> That's amazing. And how does a typical day look like for you? Is, uh, is everything really strict and outlined or is it um, still mm. a little bit uh, fluid? It depends. Yeah, I have a pretty strict morning routine or at least I try to have it where like I wake up around 6.30, 6.15 sometimes and I meditate for an hour. Then I have my breakfast and then I just go about my day. So I start with stand up and then I just go working and the working day is always very different because yeah, like as a founder, you do so many different things, but uh, I try to have a pretty strict like morning routine. And that also gives me like a lot of, yeah, sort of rest for the rest of the day to, to start with that. If I don't do it, sometimes I skip it. And then, yeah, I feel a bit uneasy, you know, during the day. Mm. Yeah. And how did you develop your your morning routine? Was it something that you switched from one day to another or did you just stack up on your, your habits? Yeah, it's actually like actually pretty much from one day to the next, you could say like um, one one time, like two and a half, three years ago, I did this uh, meditation retreat that was 10 days. Uh, it was a silent meditation retreat. And there I meditated 10 hours a day. Like it was pretty intense. You would also get up at four in the morning. Um, and yeah, there after that, I really wanted to, yeah, like I had the decision, you know, like I had this experience now and then the decision was up to me. Like, do I want to continue this? Do I want to make it into a habit for myself or do I just want to keep continue yeah, leading my life like I was? And mm. then I was thinking about it because at the meditation retreat, they actually recommend doing it two hours a day after you do it to basically keep it at one level. Um, but then I, yeah, I was looking at my life and I was like, nah, it's not possible for me to do it two hours a day, but I can definitely make one hour a day in the morning where I don't have anything planned ever. Mm -hmm. um, so if I just wake up one hour earlier, then I can already do it. So that's when I made that decision and I stick to it until now. So That's super cool. And when do you get up then in the morning? Yeah, m most of the times around like 6.15, 6.30. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> And um, I just introduced you quickly. Uh, I said you're the founder of Unplug. Um, it's a company that you founded in your student years. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe tell us what Unplug is about? Of course. <laughs> so Unplug is an app that helps you to reduce your screen time. And uh, that's basically it in a nutshell. But then, yeah, there are a lot of other things. We also have a physical product that can help you to do that. But in its essence, it's just a tool, an app that helps you to basically not use apps that are distracting to you on the times that you don't want it. Because apps like Instagram or Facebook were for us ourselves really distracting during our studies, often to a point where like we would go study and then we would only do half the work because we were constantly like scrolling on Facebook. And also for my co-founder Tim, it had a really big impact on 
his sleep patterns, for example, because he would be scrolling on Reddit uh, mm. in the evening before going to bed. Um, so yeah, we also saw it, saw it all around us, like during our studies. And yeah, the app really helps you. So you can set schedules. You can determine like, I don't want to access these distracting apps during these times. So for example, during the day, I can say, if I'm working, I don't want to have access to Instagram or WhatsApp for me as well. It's pretty distracting. Um, and then like during the day, those apps are blocked. And on Android, also the notifications are blocked. Um, and then I have to take a conscious decision to access that app. So for example, I will have to shake my phone for a couple of seconds or just do another basically pretty, it can be pretty annoying thing on your phone to have to access that app. And that thing makes you conscious like, oh, do I actually want to do that right now? Because it takes a while to do. It's not just like an unconscious habit, you know? Mm. Um, and yeah, then I mentioned the physical barrier. So that can also be one of those barriers. So that can be, for example, now we're working on an NFC tag that you just tap to the back of your phone. And if you tap it to the back of your phone, then you can access those distracting apps. Mm. And then, yeah, that that action just makes you conscious of, do I actually want to use it right now? And the nice thing about the physical barrier is that you can also then determine how big you want to make this barrier because some people then put it in a different room when they're working and then you have to get up, go to that room to get it. And then, you know, like that's quite some action that you have to take. Mm. Or some people even leave it at home when they're going out for dinner, for example. And then you always have access to the apps that are useful and not have access to the apps that actually distract you because that's really like also what we strongly believe in is like smartphones are not the problem for sure. And also these apps that sometimes are distracting can be really nice in other times. Mm. Like Instagram is not always bad. Like it can also be really nice to scroll a bit in the evening, you know, but it's really about the timing when you use that app. So mm. that that's what Unplug does basically is it helps you to not use apps that you don't want to use at times where you want to focus, for example, or have attention for friends or family or your partner or you're going out for dinner. Um, yeah, basically to help you in those moments. Mm. Yeah, yeah, super nice. And also it does not really um, teach you on, oh, you you cannot use your phone or you shouldn't take your phone or something. So mm -hmm. you can still take the, the pictures for Instagram or yeah. Uh, yeah, like the, the <laughs> important things that, that yeah. we, we unfortunately um, have to deal with. When, when was then for you like the time um, that you first thought about creating this um, this app because now of course you're mm -hmm. uh, two years in mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you have like this finished product already but was that more like a process or was this like yeah. really uh, i don't know an eye-opening <laughs> um, situation that you thought wow this really needs to change yeah no it was it was more of a process i have to say like w when we started out um because we started with Unplug because we had this problem really a lot ourselves and we saw it all around us. But then we also tried a lot of solutions that were out there already. Like there are a lot of apps that try to solve this problem. Like you have screen time on your iPhone, you have Android, uh, you have digital well-being, and you now also have focus in iOS 15. And all those tools try to help you to solve this problem. But for us and for a lot of others we talked to, they never worked because they're super easy to circumvent. Like with a couple of clicks, you're out of them. And then it becomes a new habit. Like you, th this new uh, thing, like just click here for 10 more minutes or turn it off completely today, that becomes your new habit. And uh, that was the thing that wasn't changing our habit patterns basically, and therefore not working for us. But then you also had other solutions. Like you had minimalist phones, uh, maybe you've heard of Lightphone, Mudita is also now a new minimalist phone. And those tools were, I think they're really promising in, in the sense that like they, they would often solve the problem. But then, uh, like I said in the beginning, for us, it's a lot about balance. Mm -hmm. Like it's not that I Instagram or other social media apps are always bad. And it's not that you should never use those apps. And then you couldn't customize these minimalist phones. And also, for example, you couldn't have Spotify on it or Google Maps, which are like very useful. And I don't want to have a phone that doesn't have those things. 
Um, and then also those minimalist phones were quite expensive. Um, so basically what we were initially thinking about is like creating a new minimalist phone that you can customize yourself. So you can put on apps that you want, um, but then you still had the problem that you, you don't have all the apps that you want and you still don't have this balance. And also, yeah, it's quite expensive to to start to it's to start a company that's gonna build a phone, you know, yeah, like yeah. that takes a lot of investment, also a lot of time. Um, so then we started thinking like, can can't we use people's current smartphones and basically sort of transform them into minimalist phones? But you still also have all the other apps available when you want to. So finding out this balance on a current smartphone, and that's when we started to think about like using a certain input or making a certain action. Uh, like we started out with a physical USB key that if you plugged it into the phone, it's a normal smartphone. And then if you took out the key, then the distracting apps would be blocked. Mm. Um, so yeah, then we started playing around with that concept a bit. And yeah, that's basically where the idea of Unplug started. Really nice. <laughs> the, what helped you then like to to get started? Like what were the 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 first things you did was it then more like reading and research or did you go into action mode immediately and <laughs> like started coding or no yeah like we did a course on uh, entrepreneurship actually in our uh, uh, masters and uh, yeah this is also advice that you always read on startups like you have a lot of people that just like start building right and they just go into their basement and they start building for half a year and then the product is finished and then turns out actually nobody wants it so that's not something we wanted to fall into so we just started talking to a lot of people about this problem about the things they tried to solve it already with to basically test like are people actually experiencing the problem enough that they also want to you know pay for a solution because otherwise you cannot make a business out of it um so that's how we started and then it turned out people were actually really looking for a solution um and then we started iterating a bit so the, it was actually funny the first concept we sort of built was just a phone and you had like this app that you can switch home screens so we had one home screen which was the normal android launcher and then we had a very minimal home screen and then you could trigger a switch in these home screens by plugging in an aux cable and that was the first prototype we made for unplug and we started testing with that with a couple of people and then we heard pretty good feedback about that uh, that the physical thing was actually really working in like changing this habit because it was sort of making the digital physical and concrete so then we yeah we decided to continue with that um, and then after that course so after the entrepreneurial course in uh, our university we decided to do a kickstarter uh, and on the kickstarter we raised uh, over 10,000 euros and we sold over 350 of these keys um, and that was basically the start like the, with that we could start the production of the keys and basically start the journey of our of our startup really nice. <laughs> it's like a really traditional um kind of startup story right yeah so that, but that, but that's really positive i think that's really nice that that you really went through all the stages of um initial idea kickstarter crowdfunding um and now like going into like the investment round so yeah. that's uh, yeah. that's yeah really uh, really really cool a lot of times when people launch products when people launch company ideas they say like uh, um, if you're not embarrassed from for the for the, your first release <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah like you launched too late yeah. do you think you launched too late or do you think you launched just in time I, I think we launched pretty like yeah just in time or maybe a bit too early even <laughs> like our product really sucked in the beginning <laughs> like it was so buggy and it still crashed a lot and yeah that but that also was a good validation you know like that's also what they say like in the end, like I was pretty ashamed of it, to be honest, but like that also told us because we saw still that a lot of people were kept on using it and uh, didn't stop using it for a pretty long time. And that also told us that like we're probably onto something then because if people would actually stop using it when it's so shitty, then yeah, who's gonna actually care? Like these are people that really care about it so much about the problem that they are willing to put up with those bugs and those crashes. 
and just like continue using it and also gave us a lot of feedback to improve the product so mm. yeah with those users like we really really improved the product a lot and we learned a lot about like also what people are actually looking for in the product that we make mm. yeah so you basically went to market early and then you got like the the first hand feedback which yeah is exactly really valuable yeah. for you for the product now yeah 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 and what was what would you describe as like the early success of the company that maybe also a success that that kept you going and mm -hmm. like kept you working on it yeah 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 that was definitely the kickstarter because like normally like you see these projects on kickstarter which raise like a hundred thousand or five hundred thousand or a million dollars you know and then you're like oh wow that like it looks like they just achieved that out of nothing but actually once you start reading up on like kickstarter then those companies all put in like a very big marketing budget to achieve those goals and yeah we didn't have that because we were students and we didn't have any funding yet and we didn't have anything to start with so for us it was really this make or break moment of like are we gonna continue with this like if we can get enough people excited about it and to buy it on kickstarter then it would be good enough to actually continue with it uh, because we had zero marketing budget so everything had to come from press and from our networks but yeah we were also students so our networks were also students which don't have a lot of money so in the end, we really got like a lot of press attention, which was also one of the things that really helped us to to s sell those uh, first 350 products. Mm. Um, and yeah, with that, we could really start building the company. Um, so that yeah, that moment was pretty definitive for us. Like uh, that was like a make or break moment for us. And yeah. if if you talk about make or break moments, w was there were there other moments that you thought about quitting this whole project in in maybe early or mm, well there of course there were a lot of make or break moments so to say like we also did our first funding round uh last year and we finished it in august and if we wouldn't have gotten yeah if we wouldn't have gotten that investment then we would have also have to quit because at a certain moment we like before that we weren't paying ourselves anything yet so it was all like um yeah basically like savings that we were tapping into um and yeah th that was really a moment where we were like yeah if we don't get this investment round in then also we have to stop because like yeah we cannot keep on doing this like as a not-for-profit you know like mm. it's like a, a, yeah a business that started really from this passion to solve this problem but at a certain moment you also have to start making it into a business uh yeah to keep on doing what you love so yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was also pretty much a make or break moment where yeah if we wouldn't have gotten that funding then it was like game over mm. yeah <laughs> you also talked about um, funding now that you received uh, already your first funding round. Um, and I think that this funding, maybe I'm also not too much into the topic, but I don't think so many people really talk about it on also useful tips. Mm -hmm. How did you, how did this process of uh, getting funding go for you? And how many no's did you have <laughs> to endure? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you start reading up a bit on it, like then also you like the theories uh, keeps on telling you like you're gonna get way more no's than yes like that's just a st statistical fact like uh, like you're gonna reach out to maybe 500 investors and from those 500 maybe 50 reply and from those 50 maybe five invest you know so like that just tells you that you're gonna get a lot of no's or you're gonna get a lot of like ghosts people that just don't reply to you um, but then the, the hard reality is that, like for me, I really had to learn to deal with that because like it, it can really feel like failure, you know, like, oh, it, they don't want to invest in our company. That means something is wrong. But yeah, that's just the harsh reality. It's like some people, yeah, for some reasons they don't want to invest and those can be really good reasons. But yeah, what I guess what I, th that was a really steep learning curve as well. Like I had to yeah pick up all the lingo because it's a 
completely new world, you know, that you're immersing yourself in. So yeah, picking up the the language they use, but also picking up these subtle cues. Like investors rarely ever tell you like a strict no, but they often say like, yeah, this is not for us in the moment because of this and this, or sometimes they don't even give you a reason. And then you have to sort of read through the lines that like whether they're invested in the future, whether they're interested in investing or not. And mm. so it, it's basically learning this whole new language. And like, yeah, that that was pretty like a steep learning curve, like I said, but I think now, yeah, it, it's going better. And also that first funding round, that was pretty tough to do. And uh, now I also know a bit more like who to reach out to and what to tell them and how to message that. And also in an investor meeting, I know way better like what to pay attention to like also what to ask them because it's not like a one-way street you know like you also have to get to know the investor and see if they are like a good match for for you and what they can help you with so yeah that that has been a really i, I think a fun process but also pretty tough sometimes mm, yeah. i can imagine and what do you think which um which qualities um does a founder need to bring in this uh, stage of the because i always believe that a, a founder always needs to have several qualities mm -hmm. um, and what do you think which kind of like quality or characteristic do you need to bring on the table when you are searching for funding yeah hmm. I, i think definitely perseverance um like you you should also stay like positive about your company and really also confidence or a belief in your own vision because like because of these no you i also started doubting sometimes like is this something that is worth building but then uh, yeah like you really have to ask yourself that question because that can really you know like impact your motivation but then every time i kept going back to like yeah i really believe this is a problem that's also worth solving that doesn't have good solutions where a market is big enough for to build it so yeah, maybe they don't see something that I am actually seeing, but you have to be confident enough to recognize that, but also be very humble, like um, also really good at listening. Like it's also not that if they say no, that they don't mean well, like they often give like very useful feedback that you can actually use in building your company as well. So like, I guess it's not only also about like, selling your company but also very much about like listening to which questions they ask and learning from that like what can you actually learn about what questions they ask which you can use in building your own company and mm. because of that for example we decided to pivot to a different business model because we kept getting the question like we were selling the keys but then th that's it that's where it ended so then because we were asked so often like why is that the business model why don't you make a subscription out of it then we actually started thinking like yeah maybe they're right because if one or two investors tell you then yeah maybe it's just the, their opinion but if like half of the investors ask you these are people that actually have a lot of experience and mm. they're not an investor for nothing so they have seen many businesses grow and they know how this works so if you don't listen to that that would be a bit ignorant and naive. So mm. I think those are some of the qualities, I guess. Yeah. Do, do you think that um, investors, um, because a lot of times you hear that investors are not investing into the company or the product, but they invest into the, the founder. Do you mm. think that's uh, a little bit the case or do you think it's also a little bit like a urban myth? <laughs> I think it, it weighs it weighs a lot for, for investors, but in the end, it is one of the factors. Like it's not the thing that's like often gonna make or break it. But yeah, I guess there are also cases where it was like that. I read a recently a pretty interesting article where they talked about like what, yeah, basically what factors uh, investors attributed to like important things in a startup, where, why they would invest or not invest. And then the team was was on top, like one of the most important factors. But yeah, it's it's not the only factor. So mm. you also have to have a strong like business model. You also your market has to be big enough. Uh, your product has to make sense and have like 
be used by people and people have to actually want it so yeah it's a lot of different things that come into it like you can have the best team and that makes a huge difference because if you have a great team and a mediocre idea then it's a lot about the execution so the execute if the execution is good and then the idea could actually fly while if you have a mediocre team and a great idea Mm. it might not be the case so the team is very important, but it's, I would say it's not the only factor. Yeah, yeah. I think that if, if you would have like a really crappy product and just a great team, I still don't think you would you would receive any money, <laughs> <laughs> except uh, if someone has uh, some money over. You have now a little bit uh, startup experience under your belt, uh, around uh, two years. Um, what is one very valuable tip that you would also like to give to other founders? Yeah, I, yeah, I guess like, and and this this is really like you hear this so often, and also to me, like I went to a lot of startup talks before I founded my startup, and then it was like people often said this, but like I now that I experienced it, I really think it's true, and that's like you you just have to do it, like um, because like often people like are held back by like oh, but what if it doesn't work out or yeah like my financial situation like what if i cannot make it work but i think if you really want to make it work you you'll find a way you know and like those excuses i think i think are really yeah holding you back in like pursuing your dream so if you really want to do it and you really think you have an idea that's worth pursuing and a vision for the world in which you would like to see it then yeah i think you should just yeah pursue that Mm. and nothing can then stop you like and if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out you know and that's also totally fine and that's like also part of like this whole journey of like then with that experience you can actually start building something that is probably gonna work out because you have all of this experience under your belt that you didn't have before and if you didn't try it then you could never have had that experience and could never actually realize those dreams that you have mm. and so yeah it, it's maybe a bit of like a corny answer but i no, think just I, doing it is yeah I, I think it's a legit answer i think um you, you i don't think that everyone can found <laughs> that, that's no. another another yeah. question because i think that's also sometimes um a little bit like a maybe also a myth that is like oh everyone can have a have a company well i think yeah. that many can have mm-hmm. but i think once you uh, see it through and you just do it mm-hmm. and you find out relatively fast how um, big the passion is and also like in your case right um it would have been very 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 easy to quit one and a half years ago probably to mm-hmm. say well now we did the first prototype mm-hmm. very buggy uh, super difficult to do uh, do um, in the app world and we have ios <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. so then there there are so many um big barriers in your way that you could have like um yeah quit easily so mm-hmm. i think um, the reason that you're here two years later searching yeah. for another funding round uh, really talks yeah speaks for yourself yeah exactly yeah is there any part um i mean we love funding uh, founding we we love uh, the, the startup ecosystem but is there any part that you don't like about f- yeah the startup life about the the startup ecosystem well i don't know i i'm like with like we're we're part of like a startup health that's one of the organizations that invested in us and in the in that uh they also have this thing called circles and that's where you have like very honest conversations with other founders that you couldn't or wouldn't have with anyone else because like i can talk to my friends about this but like honestly like they can understand up to a certain level but they haven't been through it themselves so like talking to these founders i also found that like it's it's a very common thing actually to like there's so much pressure pressure on you as a founder to yeah to make it work that like that can actually have a pretty big effect on you your mental health as well like if you if you don't pay attention to it and you don't consciously work on it then i think it can really have a big impact on you as a person so i think that's a topic that is maybe under discussed like it's not often talked about in public so i think that's something that i think a lot of and and you see this coming up now you see 
also some VCs started to talk about it and help their founders with like guidance on like how to take care of themselves, how to also have a work-life balance. And I think it comes down a lot to this whole startup culture where it's like you have to work 80 hours a week and you have to put in everything you have and that goes like for the cost of your own physical health it goes to the cost of your relationships and i don't think that has to be the case like i think some weeks if you have like very tight deadlines you're gonna put in that time and you're gonna give it all you have but then i think it's also important to balance it out and i don't think like putting in 80 hours a week for the entire year is also even an efficient strategy like it's not that you are gonna focus for 80 hours and are going to be able to put in all the energy you have for 80 hours. So I think if you really manage your time well, you can often do those, the, yeah, that work in a shorter amount of time and then still have the time to actually decompress. So the next day you also can go in with full focus again. While if you don't do that, then you're just going to slowly burn out and you're just going to not be able to put in that time and energy that you want to put in. So Yeah, especially yeah. like in in uh, your like the the w way less time uh, that you are productive uh, i yeah. mean uh, 80 hours but if you uh, really monitor your time well on how many super productive hours you have that you um, move big boxes mm -hmm. it's maybe four exactly yeah <laughs> but yeah. that's already a lot i think if you yeah. have four productive hours a day that's already a lot and the rest is yeah. filled with uh, smaller tasks and yeah. emails and administrative things yeah yeah um, and and you can really schedule your time in a way that you you get the most out of your day like you can schedule time blocks where you just turn off your phone or you put it on do not disturb or silent and you don't uh, schedule anything to do for the coming two hours or one and a half hours and then you just go with full focus into that task for one and a half hours and then often what you see is that you can do the same amount of work in those hours that you and uh, if you really track your time would then normally maybe do in three hours because mm. let's be honest like in those three hours what people often do is they go work on it a little bit then you check your linkedin maybe to see if there are new messages then you open your email for a bit you see a new email coming in you respond to that and then that way you often get out of the task and you never really get to this point where you can fully focus on one thing and yeah that's where I think like inefficient time management then results in like these very long work weeks. While actually if you would have managed your time really well, and that's really challenging, I also struggle with that. But if you really would do it well, then I think you can really reduce that time that you have to put in. Mm. Yeah, And it's still not gonna be a normal work week. Like it's still not gonna be just 40 hours a week. Like I definitely don't work 40 hours a week, I think maybe the average is like 60 hours or 55 or something like that. But I think what it comes down to is that if you manage your time well, you also still have the time to actually decompress and mm. to focus on yourself, your relationships with others. And that makes it that you can, yeah, then actually also do the work that you want to do and really do it well. Mm, that's true. Um, really funny that you that you answered this this way because it really pivoted perfect to to my next question. Um, I still would like to talk a little bit about your uh, silence retreat. You you mentioned it in a really in the beginning of the podcast uh, that you did the ten day uh, mm -hmm. silence retreat. Um, mm -hmm. What did you learn about yourself in this in this period? What did I learn? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's definitely a lot that like this is again this cliche but you really meet yourself but like i guess like what i learned the first thing i learned was that i actually have a lot of faults <laughs> and that like if you just sit like for for a minute and try to focus on your breath then uh, because that's where you, wh what you start at uh, on a retreat like that then <laughs> in this minute like you can just get so lost in your thoughts so easily and then you totally forget about like focusing on your breathing and then after a minute you realize oh yeah i've actually been thinking all this stuff for like a minute and i actually have to focus on my breath so then you repeat that cycle and yeah the, the more you do that the more you can shorten that cycle or like actually actually even stay focused on your breath for a minute 
uh, after a while. But yeah, that like just like that fact that like faults are, I think the the default by which everyone in our society mostly runs. Like you, mostly people don't even take a moment to actually realize that they're in this moment right now and they're just having all these experiences and it's actually pretty cool and nice to be alive and just realizing that yeah that's the tip of the iceberg like if you do one retreat that's not gonna solve all your problems (laughs) it's not gonna be like now you live a peaceful and harmonious and happy life for Mm. happy after after (laughs) but uh, yeah you know like it's a step and it's a step on the on the path in the right direction and it's gonna take a lot of work to root out all of those issues but yeah that's definitely what i learned about myself as well is that Mm. i have that stuff you know and i'm sort of more accepting of it and like i'm learning to deal with it and there are certain situations where i would have reacted in a way that maybe i now i can look back at and i'm like yeah that wasn't the right way to react and Mm. now after this retreat I often notice that I am in a situation like that again where I don't react like that and where I can stay calm or relatively calm and I can just, um, you know, like I, I can remain balanced in that in that sense. Um, so that is something I wouldn't say learned in a way that like I learned it um, on an intellectual level, but it's more about learning that on like an experiential level, mm. which is, I think, way more valuable, actually. Was there then something that came came as a surprise for you, like a, something that you didn't expect you would get out of it? Mm. I think, yeah, like, yeah, I think that's the difference between understanding it intellectually and experientially, because I already knew about this stuff, like I read about it, I listened to podcasts where they talked about it and I, yeah, like there I watched some documentaries on it as well. So I knew that this existed and I knew that people were having this and it also makes a lot of sense. Like if you talk about it, it's not that people think like, oh, like by accepting reality as it is, you're just gonna remain like way more balanced because like if you think about it, that does make a lot of sense. But then to be able to experience that is a whole new thing, you know, because once a situation like that comes up, it's not your intellectual mind that reacts, but it's your, like, basically, it's it's a deeper level, you know, it, it's more primal than, like, your, your cortex just, like, telling you, no, you shouldn't react like this. So you're really overpowered by those emotions often, and then... Um, experiencing that you don't have to be like that and that it can also be differently that's like very yeah very nice mm. it, like uh, i think we spoke b- before the podcast a little bit about it you um had like a podcast um uh, like two or three years ago um where you uh, i think explored a little bit uh, how to live a meaningful life mm-hmm. Um, was this then also a little bit the reason uh, why you did like the Vipassana uh, meditation on like the, the quest a little bit of uh, a meaningful life? Or? I guess so, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it followed a bit from it, you know, like uh, I did the Vipassana, then I started doing this podcast and it, it was really about like, yeah, my interest in like, yeah, you can say living a good life or living a meaningful life that's like actually like you look back on it and you think like, oh, that that was a life worth living because I think a lot of people when they are about to you know like go uh, die and uh, leave this world then they reflect on their life and then they realize they actually have a lot of regrets and they would have liked to do a lot of things differently and I think now we are young enough to be able to realize like this is how I actually want to live my life and if I live it like this then it's gonna be worth living for me. And I think that's very nice to be able to realize that at a young age, because then you can actually start to, yeah, actualize those things for yourself. Mm. Um, but yeah, that that was the reason why I started the podcast is just to talk with people about like, what is a meaningful life to them? Or like, yeah, how do you 
yeah what what practical things do you do to be able to yeah achieve that or find out for yourself what you think is worth living yeah mm. could you name like um like um and maybe like hacks or like things that that worked for you to to live a more meaningful life yeah i think for me it's a lot about meditation to start with taking care of my body in a way that it's like eating healthy exercising regularly and just generally about like a good balance in life and i think that's different for everyone one person i interviewed in the podcast had a really nice technique to do that. It was like just writing down all of your priorities that you have. And then you have to make decisions. Like you have to have, like you, you cannot have everything in your life. Like you have to balance things out. Like if you're gonna spend more time working, then that means that you can spend less time on other things. So it's about like finding a balance for you that works well and I think if you're conscious about that, if you make conscious decisions about where you're gonna actually spend your time, instead of being reactive, like, oh, um, realizing, like, you, of course you can realize after two years, like this is not working out for me, but then actually taking action and uh, realizing that that is the fact and that you can actually make decisions about your own life uh, on how you want to spend that time. I think that's really powerful. Mm. Did you find out or did you ever um, ask yourself this question why why this topic is so important for you like is yeah I didn't <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's uh, <laughs> that's the quest of my life uh, yeah no I don't I don't know actually I I think I had this this, this drive in me always to like make the most out of this life and live it like maybe not according to what is a successful life like in mainstream media like i don't really care about like a big house or like a big car but living it in a way that i find like i i get a lot of yeah meaning from it i get a lot of like yeah joy and excitement from that life and mm. yeah i think that's always been in me and i don't know where it comes from <laughs> but it's good it's a good trash have i think <laughs> What were you or what are you most proud of so far in, in your, I would say career, but maybe also I would say for you, maybe also personal life, mm. because I think, I'm, I don't know if you define yourself so much about career, but like, if you would look back, what, what, what are you most proud of that comes to mind if I ask that question? Yeah, I think for me a lot, and that has been a recent thing where I'm still working on a lot, but it's again about this, like finding this balance. Like um, I, I'm really passionate about like what we're doing with Unplug, and uh, like then there's the tendency to just put in like like we talked about like 80 hours a week and put in everything you you have. And I don't think that's a sustainable thing to do. And I also don't think that will make me happy in the long run. And like we talked about, I do think that the work. I could do in 80 hours could be compressed in like 60 hours if you really manage your time well. So I think for me, what I'm actually proud of is that I realized those things, but then also took action on like how to achieve those things for myself. So I do think my life now is pretty balanced. Like I uh, spend enough time with the people I care about. I realized recently that I would like to see my parents more. So I'm going to put time in like actually seeing them more. So yeah, like this is an ongoing process, mm. but I think like achieving that balance has been something that like, yeah, I, I could say I'm proud of. Mm. I also think that it's a little bit a fluid process and not everything needs to be so definite i think that's also something that our society or like we in general humans like tend to mm. always make those big hard cuts and then it has to stay like this forever right yeah. <laughs> uh, if you do like uh, yeah you do your goals in the in the beginning of the year and then you have to stick to this goal for the whole time yeah. even though maybe you you see as well that you maybe don't achieve it or something like mm -hmm. this 
And then you rather have like a failed goal at, at the end of the year than like an adjusted goal <laughs> where you say like maybe three times a week is too much for me. Maybe I'm going to do like two times a week sports or something yeah. like this. Yeah. And that's, I think, also very human that, uh, and I like that you say like, okay, if yeah, I realized now that I need to yeah. see my parents more, so I have to to add it to the list. Mm-hmm. I think my parents would also appreciate it. <laughs> 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 uh, what is something that you still want to do in 2022? Well, oh, that rhymes. Mm-hmm. It's a good, good question <laughs> uh, that you have never done before. Ooh, let's see. Well, like my girlfriend and I were looking for like this home exchange because like now with the Corona crisis, I think it really showed us also the way we work at Unplug is like it it is possible to do it fully remote. And maybe it's it is very nice also to meet up physically. Um, but like we're now looking to do like this home exchange for maybe a month, for example, where we just live in, for example, Portugal for a month. And uh, then just the people that lived in Portugal, they go live in Rotterdam where we live. And uh, that is something that I'm really excited about that I would really like to give a try because I have lived in another city for half a year uh, during my studies um, in Australia, but, and I really liked that. And, I think I'm also quite like adventure, so I like to explore new things. So I would really like to give this a try to see if we like it. And if we do, then we could maybe do it more often. Oh, really nice. I have to look into that. Uh, before we leave off, I have one final question because I think you have uh, valuable advice there. Um, what books or podcasts would you recommend for the listeners on mental well-being or on finding... Uh, themselves or finding yourself yeah cool um yeah i would really recommend the the book i I think that was the first one that came into my mind is the power of now by eckhart tolle and yeah sometimes it's really a bit like a bit spiritual so you have to also read through the lines a bit but it is actually like a very powerful book in like yeah just giving you like a good insight into what someone who is yeah like enlightened uh, how they experience the world um so that that's been a very nice book for me also just if we talk about yeah being productive i can really recommend the book getting things done um and then also podcasts i i really like to listen and that goes into a lot of different topics like a very wide range but it's future thinkers uh, the podcast um and they also often talk about like uh mental health or things that can help you in living a more meaningful or well yeah or general about your well-being like improve your well-being they talk a lot about meditation as well um so yeah if i could recommend one podcast it would be that one Uh, shout out to to future thinkers (laughs) (laughs) awesome um i have three final questions but um, I think uh, really, really nice podcast. I mean, we went through many different topics. Uh, first of all, the uh, really romantic and uh, amazing story of, of uh, founding <laughs> Unplug. Uh, and I think the big future, uh, because I have think it has a huge potential ahead. Um, the the belief that kept you going, I think that was one thing that really popped into my mind while mm-hmm. you were talking. It was really this strong belief of hey, I really believe in this, uh, no matter the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also we talked about the productivity, meditation, about the uh, ethical responsibilities of the big tech. Um, so many cool topics, I think, that we scratched the surface. So I think we can <laughs> we can talk much, much more longer. For sure. um, I always ask the same three questions uh, to my guests. Um, the first question is, and I think we didn't talk about that in a podcast, but I think maybe it's a nice question at the end. Um, what are you not very good at right now and you want to become better at? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, like if it's about a skill set, I would definitely say like, um, so like for Unplug, I'm writing the Android app, but I would really like to get better at also writing uh, in Swift for iOS um, because I just... Yeah, we we are about to launch our iOS app and now we're going to work together with some developers, but I would also really like to learn it myself to uh, pick up this language. So I guess if we're talking about really like a skill set, then that's definitely a thing. But if we're talking maybe more broadly about personal development, 
I am also really working a lot and this is also an ongoing process about being able to really listen. Like I, I think listening is such an undervalued skill where like if you really listen closely to what people say or maybe even what they ask, then that will teach you so much about like their full process and what's going on in their mind. And I think, yeah, there are many quotes about like listening rather than talking that like, that's very powerful. And I really believe that's true, but yeah, I'm also like still owning that skill because like, uh, for me, I don't think we grew up in a society where that's actually acknowledged. So it's often about like you just talking about like, uh your stuff and you just wanting to shout out into the world about like what you're doing or what you're building or like also in like with friendships often like just talking about yourself and i do think it's very undervalued uh to listen well and that's also a skill that's i think hard to learn so mm. and also like taught in school i mean yeah. um you got uh, points or or grades based on your participation right so yeah. like uh, everything is built for um extroverts not for for introverts so we try mm. to raise a lot of extroverts that yeah. <laughs> are more so it's quite interesting mm. um which title would you give this chapter of your life <laughs> wow that's an interesting question <laughs> um like for, to me it's really it, it feels often like i'm like because of course, like when I started Unplug, I was a student and now suddenly I'm growing into this role of like, um, like I, I am a co-founder of a startup now and like I'm growing into this. So I would say like the rite of passage or something like sometimes it really feels like um, I'm just like I threw myself into a very deep water and now I'm learning how to swim in that and mm. so it really yeah maybe rite of passage is a nice way to say it like i just have to learn to stand on my own feet and not have anyone support me but uh in the sense that like no because i have a lot of support and i'm really grateful for that but also sometimes it feels like i just have to learn to stand on my own feet mm. and yeah so rite of passage would be the name i think nice. that's a really nice chapter and the last question is if you could send a SMS, um, if it's not restricted, of course, uh, <laughs> to every mobile phone in this world, what would you say? Be here now. Be here now. Mm. Nice. That's a nice SMS. Uh, Jon, thank you so much for, for being part of the 3 podcast. It was really insightful. And um, we are very closely monitoring where Unplug is going. Yes. <laughs> and I thought of one ending, like be here now and then in uh captions like and download unplug not allowed <laughs> <laughs> it was a pleasure being here and i really enjoyed our conversation awesome thank yeah. you if you're still here you are the real deal thank you so much for listening to another amazing episode of the 301 podcast i found this an absolutely amazing episode with a very very inspiring founder he really motivated me to bring back my focus and to bring back my focus on a different level I now try to limit my time on the phone massively and I can't wait for Jörn's Kickstarter to come out that we can also buy the iOS NFC tags. So definitely keep an eye out for that. If you want to increase your productivity, don't forget to follow Jörn Richter and his startup on LinkedIn. We'll be back in two weeks with another amazing episode of the 301 Podcast. Stay safe. Yours truly, Marcus.